This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by Black Belt CBD. If you're into CBD products or you want to try CBD products for the very first time, please visit blackbeltcbdproducts.com. Use promo code THEPODCAST25. You'll get 25% off. They ship within North America, and it's more geared towards your athlete. But if you're an everyday blue-collar worker or you got aches and pains or you got any sort of disease that makes you have aches and pains, this is good for you. You don't ingest it. You don't smoke it. It's none of that. It's pure rub-ons, lotions, ointments, that sort of stuff that you just rub into your skin and then it takes to less than 1% THC. So again, like I said, you will not get high. So go visit blackbeltcbdproducts.com. And if you're into nerd culture or collectibles, please visit firstrow.ca. This is a Canadian company I love to support out of Winnipeg, Manitoba. If you use promo code THEPODCAST20, you'll get 20% off. They also ship within North America. And to all you American listeners, everything's in Canadian funds, so it's a little bit cheaper rate. They update daily. They got everything from comic books to sign memorabilia, wrestling figures, anything you literally need or want that's part of nerd culture. They got it there for you today. So please visit firstrow.ca. And if you want to support me directly, please visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com or scroll down on your device. It's embedded right there in today's description. Click on that link. It takes you directly to my merchandise store. I got everything from hoodies to t-shirts to baby onesies to hats to mugs, anything you need or want, even COVID masks. Please wear your masks. And if you want to support me, please go do that today. But if you can't support me monetarily during these times, it's totally understandable. So the easiest and best thing you could do each and every week, free of charge, takes you literally two seconds rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms, but most specifically Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So this week's guest is a TNA two-time X Division champ, a Ring of Honor World Tag Champ, and Ring of Honor two-time World Television Champ, reality star and professional wrestler, Kenny King. Man, when you say it like that, it sounds pretty important. (laughs) I try to make all my guests feel important when they come by. (laughs) Good job. Thank you. No, thank you. So, what's going on? What has been keeping you busy during the lockdown, as they say? Uh, well, what's today? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're one of those. You don't know what day it is, eh? Uh, You know, I mean, it's just kind of trying to make sure that every day doesn't end up like Groundhog Day. Mm. 
you know, trying to find little things uh, within each day to, to separate them from the other one. But, you know, the, the most important thing is that, uh, you know, my family and I keep them safe. So that's really what, what, what the most important thing is. No, that's cool. So you're not going crazy? What, do you miss seeing your peers doing work? Because obviously everyone knows Ring of Honor is shut down right now for the time being. So to see all your other so-called wrestling friends still do their thing, is that, is that driving you nuts? It is a little bit because, you know what I mean, when you see uh, – at first I wasn't 100% um, all in on the, the zero uh, fan shows, but oh, okay. uh, you, know, you kind of get used to – uh, what the format is, and then once now people are kind of used to the format. Now you know there's companies that are just up and running. You know, Impact has had a hell of a pay per view, so now I'm just chopping right. it like, all right, well, it's it's people can do it, so we need to get we need to get ours because uh, the last thing in the world we're going to do is fall too far behind. Okay, I don't want to put you on a spot or anything, and if you don't know, you don't know. Do you have an idea? Has Ring of Honor contacted its talent saying we're trying to get this day or anything, or it's just day by day? No, we we have uh we have we were supposed to do something in uh, a week's taping in January or July rather. Okay. Um, this last week of July, but uh, there was with COVID spiking and everything like sure. that, they decided to postpone it. But there is definitely another date on the table uh, that they're a little more uh, concrete about. So I don't necessarily know 100, percent but uh, you know, it, it, they're from what I understand, they kind of we all kind of feel the same way. We're all you know ready to come back. Let's, Oh, of course, no doubt. Okay, so before we get into more Ring of Honor stuff, there's a lot of stuff I want to cover. What's your earliest memory of wrestling? What got you into so-called loving the business? Uh, man, my very first, my earliest memory of wrestling, uh, I had it on tape. <laughs> that's, how, that's how long, I, you know, that's how old I am. Um, <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> I had it on tape. And it was WrestleMania three on tape. Okay. And the first match that I can ever remember is watching, and I remember watching it over and over and over. Was Demolition versus Strike Force. Right. And that's when I became the demo. Like demo, nobody's better than Demolition, even to this day. Like Demolition's yes. the top t- tag team of all time. But uh, I don't know what it was about that particular match, but. Um, man, I've, ever since then, I've been hooked. No, I feel you, because my, mine was more WrestleMania 4. That's when I fell into it, because the whole tournament, obviously, I've talked about it to death on the podcast. But speaking of Demolition, not many people bring it up, and that's my favorite tag team of all time as well, to the point where when I'd go to school, a buddy of mine who would watch wrestling, we would be Demolition. I was actually with Smash, and we'd just go around putting people over our knee and doing the elbow drop, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sandals, get the max sandals. That's you it. You know what I'm saying? Like that. those dudes were rough. <laughs> no kidding. So that's a great pick. Yeah, WrestleMania three again. That's a, a lot of people's go to as well, right? So you played college football. I don't know if a lot of people know about this. Was that your first inkling to get into sports, so to speak? Did you inspire to be like an NFL player? Yeah, I wanted to play NFL football. Like I, I played football since I was. Man, I think the first time I put on a helmet was 10, I oh, think, wow. 10 or 11. Okay. And, uh, and, you know, I played football all the way, you know, Pop Warner football all the way through high school, going right. into college. And, uh, you know, it was just the, the, you know, I was playing football at University of South Florida in Florida, and then I transferred to UNLV, and just mm. because of, you know, politics or whatever, just to, <laughs> just a long story short, um, <laughs> I, I couldn't I couldn't end up playing that year. Uh, okay. that, so I transferred in the fall of 2001. And I was uh, I was ruled ineligible oh. for for the fall of 2001 to play football at UNLV. So that's how I ended up. You know, so I was just a regular student, mm-hmm. and that's how I ended up 
seeing the ad and the paper and the student newspaper for tough enough too right and i was like oh well i saw the first one i know i can do this you know (laughs) 19 years later the rest is history as i say and that's perfect segue it's like you were reading my mind because i was gonna go into the next thing is that was technically you started your career with wwe right Mm -hmm. yep so so that's pretty cool You know, and that's that is uh, that's something that I always kind of look back and laugh at. Like I, right. I was a WWE guy before. I was a WWF guy. How about that? Right? Oh, wow, so, exactly. That's true. <laughs> how long I've been in the game, right? So, um, yeah, that, that was it. That was my first foray. That's the first time I had ever been in a wrestling ring. Um, since, you know, the eighties or whatever. And I watched it all through the nineties. But tough enough was my first opportunity to see. Uh, you know, try my hand at it. I've been a football player. I've been an athlete. I've seen football and other other sports, but right, um, it's a ball game. Oh my goodness! Okay, I got a, a little bit of questions here about this stuff now because I don't really remember. Again, going back, and everyone knows I have short term memory issues. But this was two thousand and two, correct? Yeah. Okay, so who was on the cast with you? Did anyone come out of that season, or was it literally just you that kept going into business? Uh, so the winners of that season were, that was the season that they swerved everybody because the original oh. gimmick behind stuff was one woman, or the first season was one, one man, one woman gets a WWF contract. That's right. So my season, uh, and uh, I did an interview about this, and they were like, well, didn't you ever know, didn't you ever, and, and, and only after I watched it back did I really pick up on the fact that they were real kind of slick with the language. They always said two contracts. Right. right? They never no way two contracts are going to be two WWE superstars, sure. which means they knew from the beginning that they were picking two girls. Okay. And uh, so so that's kind of, uh, you know, what, uh, you know, how that kind of thing happened. So it was yeah. two girls and it was Jackie, Gata, okay. Linda Miles. And, you know, if you, you, you've probably heard of those names or remember they had a cup of coffee and then sure. uh, Matt Morgan. Oh, was, uh, okay. Yeah, Matt Morgan was on my season at Tough Enough. He actually left. Uh, because he had a knee injury, mm. so um, so Matt Morgan, myself, and um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else from my season who, other than the two winners, those would be the only ones that you'd even know. Oh, that's pretty cool. So, oh, hello. Well, oh, I mean, uh, yeah, Shad Gaspard too, but Shad, oh, Shad was, R.I.P. Uh, yes, Shad was. Um, yeah, shout out to, to Shad. Uh, he was he, he got cast for the show, okay. uh, and then he didn't he didn't make he didn't get cleared medically to to, to actually get on the show. So, um, but you know, technically, Shad was a cast member for Tough Enough too. Now, did you like you said you saw the commercial? So you had no official training before this. Did you go into it being like shit? If this is what wrestling's like, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, the first maybe two weeks. <laughs> okay. Really thought, yeah, the first two weeks, I was like, why the hell am I here? Mm. You know, like this. You, it was, you know, we got to do it in air conditioning, but we, we right. seven, eight hours, we put, we put in work days, you know, wow. seven, eight hours of, of, of training your body how to do this and going from not ever doing it to doing it every day. It's, uh, it was really, really difficult. Um, and, but, but once, you know, I don't know, there's just something, there's something else no said, uh, you know, once you do this and once this gets inside you, mm-hmm. you'll know it and you're stuck. Oh, so, okay. There, you know, there was a period of time where I kind of just because I took to it real, real quickly. I was real, you know, my my first wrestling name was the Natural Kenny King because nice. you know that's what everybody called me when on, on Tough Enough. And right. I just after I got it, believe me, the light bulb switched on and, and everything kind of, you know, the moves and the and the movements in the ring kind of came second nature. Once I got that, then I was like, oh man, I'm 
I'm here. <laughs> this is what I want to do. And now back then too, like the so-called reality part of wrestling wasn't really good. Like, you know what I mean? And not to like, you have the mavens of the world and so forth and so on. You were going to get something, but you knew you weren't going to get like that push or that WrestleMania spotlight. Were you afraid of that as well? Or were you like, fuck it. I'm just going to go with it. If I get my foot in the door, I get my foot in the door. Uh, honestly, to be completely honest, when I first signed up for it and I thought about it, I just really wanted to get on MTV. Oh, I was okay. I had a show on MTV and I was like, well, you know, this, the wrestling shit is cool too. I'll be able to do this, right. whatever I enjoy. And I'll be able to, you know, meet Al Snow. And, you know, I knew Al Snow from ECW. I didn't care about it. You know, that, that was some of my stuff. I was like, sure. okay, I get to meet these people that I, that I was really, really, uh, Taz. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I get to meet Taz. Let's right. go. You know, so, um, <laughs> it was just one of those things where I wanted to get on MTV, okay. kind of get my face out there and see what it was. Um, and, because I saw what they did with Maven, and 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 really when I when I first got into it, I was like, well, if I get the Maven treatment, shoot Maven, you know, got into a program with the Undertaker, so I the, that's the, true the too. Treatment, then uh, then then I then I'll be all right because I knew that I could take it further than Maven. Right, and then after your okay, you you're pretty much known for your appearances in TNA and for Ring of Honor, right? So let's start with TNA for a little bit. First, you were first signed back in 2005. You really didn't do much back then, but then when you came back in 2012. You won your first championship in TNA, defeating RVD. Again, you just mentioned you're an ECW guy. How was that feeling? Man, um, the, the the two guys that, that, that are, three guys, right? But the two guys um, to me that are ECW and what, when I was in ECW, like up to my neck, it was just about these two guys. It was Rob Van Dam and Jerry Lynn. Taz is my is a very, very close third. Gotcha. RVD and Jerry Lynn, those two guys, and those series of matches uh, is what, I mean, it, it, you can even go back. They stand up to this day, right? So yep. um, having the ability, and I, and I got an opportunity early in my, uh, in my Ring of Honor career to work with Jerry mm-hmm. uh, and we work a program with Jerry and learn from Jerry and really, like, become, you know, and really bond with Jerry. And that was, you know, such a, a crazy step for me. But then to be able to go in, and then win the X Division Championship from Rob Van Dam like right. that, uh, you know, just fifteen-year-old Kenny still gets a pop off that. Still, really, yo, you beat Rob Van Dam for the X Division Championship <laughs> like that. It's still, uh, you know, that's that's a hell of an accolade. I, I don't remember who I asked, but I want to know your view of this because you were actual fan of the person you took the title from. I think it was Ken Anderson when I asked him when he won the first world title what he was feeling going out there knowing that you were just told, okay, you're going over, this is going to be your match. How do you hold those feelings back during that match? Because you, like, then this goes for every wrestler pretty much out there. These guys never break that so-called fourth wall because, you know what I mean, you're looking for that smirk to get that little inkling, oh, this, is this guy going to go over? Is he going to finally win? But you guys go out there, stone cold, do your thing and just get out. How hard is holding all that in so to speak because you still got to get to it you know you still got to get there that's true um, yeah nothing nothing happens before that before that bell rings right okay, so, makes sense. so if you if you watch uh <laughs> the the actual match right. like this is the, a, a true uh kind of you know a case study in this right because yeah that, that's why you see whenever dudes win like that's real emotion they're, they're getting ready. They're showing that true emotion. That that's where you would think it would be kind of like hokey or faked because okay, yeah, I won the championship, but that's true. where all of that real emotion actually comes from. You get to let it out because you don't really get to think about that uh, while you are trying to put it, you know, put a masterpiece together, and while you're you're trying to keep yourself safe, keep your opponents safe, make sure that every you know the, keep the business intact. All of those things uh, come first to 
and then afterward, yeah, you, you, I'm a juke, and I'm a, I'm, I'm going to do all of that. But, sure. You know, for example, like you know, in in if you go back and watch that match where I did win the Exhibition Championship, okay. it didn't go. <laughs> the finish didn't go as planned. Right. So we had <laughs> to go to Plan B, and then you know that's that's one of those things where you know it, nothing ever happens before it's over. And um, true. In my in my Exhibition Championship win, I got to witness that firsthand. Where if you're not thinking, you're not on your feet. You better be because you got now. You, you always have to be thinking uh, in, in the wrestling game, especially when those cameras are live. So after work, when the bell rings, everybody's chilling. That's when the emotion comes out. out. Now, have you ever been in a match where you know something was going to happen, then literally halfway through they like just change everything, and then you're like, "What the hell's going on here?" Um. Yes. Well. Yes and no. Right. I, I, there, there's there's times where you get in a match and uh, you either get a whole lot less time. Okay. Or a whole lot more time, gotcha. and that can change everything in a match, right? Uh, but then you can also be uh, in matches, and, and I tell this story to my students. Uh, there was a match that when I was Chris, that I had with Christopher Daniels, where mm. the night before I was I was Hulk Hogan, I was the biggest baby face in the world. Sure. Next night, I, we go out there, you know, we, we go out there thinking the same thing, and Christopher Daniels blows me out of the water in the baby face department. So right. now I'm over there with my because I'm five or six years in the business at this okay. point maybe six and my eyes are like this and I'm looking at him across the ring like um <laughs> what do we do bro and, right you know, that's a testament to, to the G and the genius and the general all those things that is Christopher Daniels of course uh, he taught me he, he really taught me and showed me uh you know some some upper echelon uh, you know areas of our craft that night so uh wrestling you know you wrestling never goes as planned I don't think that's true, and that's what makes it so interesting as a viewer as well, right? I think those sort of called fuck-ups, as they say, are sometimes f- for some of the best TV. Because <laughs> no one's prepared, yeah. and you get the genuine reaction, right? It's not someone so-called acting or reading a script. Absolutely. Now, the other thing you're known for in TNA was being part of the BDC, the Beatdown Clan. Okay, first off, who came up with this name? Who approved it? What's going on here? Because, again, I'm assuming it's a riff-off Wu-Tang Clan, I hope. <laughs> Well, it's 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 a it's a lot of things. Okay, um, it's a lot of things. It was a it was something that we wanted because it was as a group that I don't know. I mean, I don't know uh, the inner workings of the Bullet Club, right? But I do know that our thing came together very organically. All of us are legit friends. Okay, tra- not only do we travel together, we hang together. Gotcha. Uh, you know, we, so um, we we were at that time being called wrestling Wu Tang. Oh. And the 900 awful names that came from TNA management <laughs> um, were just not cut. You know, they just wasn't cutting. And yeah. we wanted it to, we wanted something that would have dope initials. Oh, um, makes sense. And, um, you know, and, and it just kind of came like, man, what, what is like, what is it? That, what are we, right? We're, we're a squad. Like, we're, right. we're a clan. Like, what do we do? We beat, beat motherfuckers up. We beat people down. And, sure. and we'd even... Um, what was it? The beat. We did BDP. What was BDP? Beat Town. Posse. Maybe? I think. It, nah, it wasn't Posse because they 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 had to come up with something that was Posse and it was awful. Like, okay. It was like, like Hippo Posse or something. Oh like, it was shit. That, it, was it, it wasn't that bad. Right, but right, it was right. That bad, right. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> but I can't remember. So it had it was Beat Down something, but BDP is if, if you know hip hop, it's the beat you know Boogie Down Productions. Makes sense. Um, yeah. Right. So we were kind of like, well, let's not completely jacked that style and i don't i don't remember where beat down clan came from but uh but i remember as soon as it was said everybody was like yep 
that's it. So, okay, when I think of the BDC, I think of you, Samoa Joe, MVP, Lashley, and Loki. I totally forgot that Homicide was a part of it. Hernandez had a cup of coffee in it. Eric Young was in it. Okay, so who are the originals and who were the ones added afterwards? Uh, the originals, I mean, it, it goes like this, right? Like the original squad originally was myself, Lashley, and MVP. Okay. Um, and then, uh, and, and that didn't have a real name, right? We were just kind of doing our thing. And, That's right. And the, the internet uh, so <laughs> appropriately named us MLK, which... Ah, uh, gotcha. Right, so, you know, shout out to the internet for that one. But, um, so, I'm, but the actual beatdown clan didn't start. Uh, it started with myself, Joe, uh, Loki, and Pete. Okay. Those are the four original. Uh, and then, in some weird satellite way, Eric Young <laughs> kind of... Uh, kind of came you know we, we, we were kind of it was a mutually beneficial relationship sure. with us and Nick Young um, that was actually so the original idea was for Matt Hardy to be original member oh. and Matt Hardy set up was like no <laughs> so shout out to Matt Hardy for for reading the room right gotcha um, and, and then you know so then Joe left right uh, and then after Joe left uh, you know, we, we we were like, well, you know, who who else can we bring in? But homicide, you know, homicide is he, he's he would he would have been there anyway if he would have been there, right? right. So, uh, and then everybody knows LAX homicide and, and and Hernandez makes sense, and you know, and then that was that, that was the the beginning of the end of the BDC bringing in Hernandez. <laughs> so. Well, don't worry, I want to get into because that was pretty much almost the death of TNA, which is now Impact, you know what I mean? So how, because you were you were there pretty much until that everything that went down. Again, if people want to know what happened, go read the internet, it's all there. But how was it during those so-called dark days towards the end? Was it tough going to work, as they say? You know, it, was, it wasn't tough, man, because here's the thing about TNA. Um, the, 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 the LOL TNA or the dark cloud that hung over TNA, even during the, when, when, when AJ and Kurt and Hogan and all of those guys were there, yeah. it, never, it never permeated the locker room, right? Oh, okay. So all of that was just, we, we knew where it came from. We knew who was responsible for, for sure. the issues. And we knew the only reason that the company wasn't, was, was even alive and kicking was because of the locker room. Mm. So, um, you know, it was, it, it was tough. It, it was tough after, uh, like really after like the whole thing went down like with, with Hernandez and like after MVP left and, mm. and then you know we did this weird World Series uh, right. tournament um, and I you know it, it, it wasn't necessarily weird like a bad vibe but we were just like alright let's just go out there and do what we do okay. <laughs> and hopefully someone's gonna watch this right well it's <laughs> true the writing was definitely on the wall for sure for me the writing was on the wall for me But yeah, again, coming from the other side of the TV, watching it, I would watch it because, again, you guys putting on your performances and you could tell these guys weren't phoning it in. So like, sort of like, again, you're you're old enough to same age bracket, watching WCW when it was dying. You could tell half of those guys were just literally phoning it in. You guys weren't. You guys would always, you'd still hear, oh yeah, TNA, oh, management doesn't know what they're doing, but they're still putting on five-star matches, so to speak. You know what I mean? So that's why I just wanted to know how bad it was. But if you're just saying that it didn't premiate you guys in the back, that's that's awesome to hear. Because that could be toxic, right? It can be, and, and and I think that is one of the great. That I think that's the 
the, the unsung hero, I think, of the TNA thing. And when they do the TNA documentary or whatever, I think the best sure. thing that, that you could talk about is the fact that the locker room kept it going. The, 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 the spirit of the locker room, spirit of the, of the, of the, the, the men and women that, that, that said, for, later for all that, forget the management, forget office. Of course. Let's just go out here and show us and, and, and show these people, you know, why they watch this thing. Because because as a pro wrestler, my job is that extends this far. Right. Course, so yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and everything else that I that 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 I, that I worry about is unnecessary stress. Mm, hey, that makes sense. And you know what? It keeps your mind focused on what you need to focus on instead of worrying about all the other junk, as they say. Right. Right. So now how proud are you of seeing MVP and Lashley doing what they're doing? What you guys are doing pretty much now on the biggest stage of them all, pretty much. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm ecstatic about it. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, now, now, that doesn't mean that I'm not like. <sighs> And that doesn't mean that I don't get a phone call every two weeks. Like, I'll just gonna hey, say, man, when's your when's your deal up again? Like, I just <laughs> told you when it was. I already told you. you know, so I so it's two things, right? I'm I'm extremely happy for them dudes. Those are my guys, right? Of so, so for them to be able to pull that last year of the bullshit he was doing, right? Put him, put him right where he needs to be because next to P, he's always a star. Um, and definitely, uh, and and get MVP with a mic in his hand and do what he does and. Uh, yeah, and f- get Shelton involved, right? And like, so right. yeah. And, and as much as I'm, uh, th- there's there's that, and I'm I'm super happy. And I'm just kind of like, man. And again, uh, it'll be better when it's organic, as they say, instead of forced. Absolutely, absolutely. Look at those guys. Right? They are doing it, it, it's it is natural. They're doing what they, they you can tell they're having fun. Yes, and it's and it's and it's great to watch. So you know the 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 biweekly or the monthly. You sure you can't get out your deal? <laughs> Those uh, are a little, those make me itch a little bit, but you know, I'm real happy for them dudes. Oh, that's awesome to hear. Okay. So now obviously you're talking about, can you get out of your deal? Deal you're speaking of is with Ring of Honor, obviously. So you had two stints in Ring of Honor. I I guess that's your thing. You like doing a little thing, going somewhere else, coming back and going. (laughs) So your first run was back in 2007 and you were mostly known as a tag team, the All Night Express with Red Titus, right? That's where you won your first major championship in Ring of Honor. How was that feeling doing it with someone else instead of doing it on your own? Well, you know, the the, the whole thing with me and Rhett is that our tag team putting together wasn't like we were friends beforehand. And mm. like, hey, let's do uh, you know, there's, right. there's a couple of stories about me and Rhett where we didn't really like each other very much to begin <laughs> with. And we weren't, uh, you know, very thrilled to be put together. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, Adam Pierce, uh, shout out to Adam Pierce, but he was, you know, he was like, look, this is where y'all are getting books, so figure it out. <laughs> and uh, there you go. I was just, you know, uh, 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 the more we hung out, the more we realized that, hey, you know, this guy's not so bad. And we had a chemistry uh, outside of the ring, but then the timing in the ring was, 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 you know, it was one of those things like we had worked together for 15 years and that was hard not to notice. And then the chemistry outside of the ring came into the ring. And then, you know, just to be able to, to to be on top at now you also gotta realize like when we were in the tag division this is probably one of the greatest tag divisions of all time like the kings of wrestling yep. the briscoes who are the standard for tag wrestling anywhere True. the uh the american wolves i'm sure the i think the bucks were made a stint um who else was that when the world's greatest tag team was there too or was that after? world's greatest tag team yeah so then we, you know we won the championship from the world's greatest tag team, Austin Benjamin. So, right. you know, that, those that, those five teams, and, you know, if you want to put us, those six teams, we can main event tag team wrestling anywhere in the world. And so um, to be able to to climb those ranks and then to be able to look at, 
uh, as peers and then to be on the top of that division, uh, that was like, that was validation. You know, we, we, Rhett and I had been working real hard for it. Uh, and it just, you know, it didn't last that long because right after that, I went to TNA. But, <laughs> True. Uh, <laughs> and again, if people want to know, Google. <laughs> yeah. So your second run in ROH, again, part of a stable, you were the cabinet, then later renamed Rebellion. How different was this stable from the BDC? Let's just say that the rebellion was our way of making uh, sandwiches out of bullshit, basically. Sure. Uh, the cabinet was supposed to have a, sh- a small shelf life, and, and which was the election cycle, and then turn. Okay. Uh, and it didn't. And it didn't. Uh, you know, rest nothing happens to rest in the way it's supposed to, and then it didn't. And, and then the rebellion. See, the rebellion is is, a, is an interesting concept because. The rebellion at that point was healed, but the rebellion in this period and day would be baby faces because everything that we were talking about then is what's being talked about right now. Makes and sense. People were like, "Yeah, go for it, yeah." So right. you know, we were we were kneeling for the code of honor, right? right? And people and, and so uh, you know, you gotta. It's just funny how things and you know how life and, and art imitate each other, and the timing is is this and that. But crazy, uh, it, it was different from the BDC in the sense that uh, you know it was just. You know, it, it was organic. It was fine, but the BDC was. Uh, it just had a, a thing about it. You know, once that that that's, that hit, a song hit, and you go out there with the war banners and the that's Oni masks. Right. I mean, like yes. it was like a freaking Japanese war clan yes. was coming to invade your town, right? <laughs> and you know, and we, and we tried to to have the same kind of unpredictability and like guerrilla warfare with the rebellion, but it just, you know, we just couldn't make it. Uh, it is, you know, I, I think it was just ahead of his time. Now, how pissed off do you get when everyone literally compares it to the Nation of Domination? Because as soon as you see any, if there's two or more black people in a faction, that's it. Oh, it's the Nation again and else and that. It's like, why can't people, no one says that about, like, say, DX. No one says that about the Horsemen. Like, you know what I mean? But why is that such a thing with wrestling? Well, because for two reasons, right? Well, And, and, and let me just kind of go a little bit further with that. Sure. When the, uh, it, they, they, in the, at that very beginning, when we started, is when the New Day started, oh, right? And okay. so, the beginning of the New Day was when they had the New Day doing the chuck and yes. the jive and the gospel church music, and, and we was over here, you know, t- trying to tear Drew, Bear, Drew Galloway's face off and, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. coming out Wu-Tang and the mast. Yeah. So, it was, we were presenting a very different uh, characterization of our squad than, than they were. So, but to, to answer your question, and it all goes back to to a lot of the the underlying issues in wrestling um anytime you have you know multiple black dudes together they either have they have to be the nation or they have to be some sort of militant group right you know? um and that's just because historically and largely uh black people aren't are create, there aren't three-dimensional characters created for black wrestlers. Mm. They're very one-dimensional. They're gangsters, or they're, they're militant, right. or they're, you know what I mean? So while Triple H is allowed to be the game, he can be the cerebral assassin, mm. he can be all these different things, all these multiple layers to him, right. but, you know, uh, for, you know, Farouk's got to be angry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I see what so, you're saying. So, that, so that's, and, and that is traditionally also in, in wrestling, um, not being knowing what to do with if you have three black dudes on your on your roster, we, we don't really know what to do singles with them. So let's put them together. Hey, yeah. hey. so 
you know, it's it's oh, so that's always kind of why that cycle repeats itself. Really, for those main two things, is because you know we haven't been creative enough to uh, we haven't been creative enough with our black single stars, and we, we just kind of feel like we should lump them together. Now, do you think this whole assert again? He would have gone to the top regardless because he's just amazing. The whole Lee thing. Do you think he would have got where he got if it wasn't for the whole Black Lives Matter movement, or do you think this was eventually going to go down anyways? I think he's. I think he's getting there anyway. But I think this is a beautiful push, right? Right. I think this. I think. I think the timing on everything is is is. I think the timing of it is the reason why he's holding two championships. Okay. He was always going to get one. I right? think so. Yeah. But True. but the timing of it is why he's got the, the number one and two. Right. Um, because he he is going to be phenomenal when when he leaves there and they then they actually start doing something with him and, and they can figure out what do we do with this guy right. because you can write for you because you here's what you should do just write for him like you write for anybody else thank you right it's it doesn't true. have to be Keith Lee the big gigantic black guy right. he can be Keith Lee the anime loving freaking teddy bear who turns into a you know who turns into a buzzsaw if you piss him off and that's fine exactly right? so um, Keith, Keith, Keith is the man, yo. So he was, he was, he was getting his regardless. Now, when you went over on Kushida winning your television title, another huge name, by the way. So it seems like you beat these legends to, to get your title. So how was that yeah. feeling to finally get recognized again? As you were saying, you were put in these factions. You're doing whatever. Now you're getting your singles push. Go. How how was that feeling in Ring of Honor? I mean, it feels it, it feels good. You know, it it, it feels. I mean, you know, it, it wasn't. I don't feel like it was. Hey, man, you know, you've been here a while. Here's your here's your opportunity. Sure. Right? But uh, it it feels good to say, okay, we, we we are now ready to recognize what you've been telling us all this all this time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, we are now ready to, uh, you know, put put a, a spotlight on you and and to put a spotlight on me by defeating, uh, you know, a guy who is still was then. A human highlight reel, you know. Right. You put Kushida in the in, in the ring with my dog, and you're going to get a four star match. So, um, you know, that in of itself uh, was, you know, in, in this business for me, I just like to kind of set set challenges, and then hmm. and say, okay, this is all right now. This, all right now, this. Uh, so uh, that that match with Kushida was a personal challenge for me. I, I wanted to 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 make sure that hell, you know, make, that people are. are Aren't sure to see. Oh my God, who should I look at in this match? Right. And, um, and, and it's hard not to when you're in there with a guy like that. So of course. Uh, it's it's the internal motivation and the external motivation. Oh, that's awesome to hear. Now I got to ask, what belt design do you like better, the old school skinny one or the new one they introduced? Uh, I like the new one. Like oh, do you're one. not a fan of that little strap? <laughs> I, I liked it. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I liked it because it was definitely uh, it was different. Exactly. It was a that's the way. It was a throwback to. You know, kind of the older uh, situation, but it had a freaking uh, an old tube of television on it. So, oh, it I didn't even it realize tube, that it had a tube TV on it. So, and, and I think the new one looks a little bit more. Um, uh, it looks a little bit more prestigious, I think. True, it, it does. It does look prestigious, but again, it was distinct, and you know where it came from and whatever. Now, uh, and shout out to the only guy who's ever held both, by the way. Oh, there you go. You see. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there's some uh, good trivia question for you guys out there. So, how about we're speaking of um, the TV title when the skinny versus the new, all these new belt designs. 
Are you a fan of reinventing the belt or do you like keeping the old school? Because everyone knows the one belt that never, ever changed was that old school WCW world title. It was always the same. Nothing changed about it. The only thing they probably added was that leather padding on the back. So you have right, that, right. that lining. But other than that, there was no change. Do you prefer that or do you like seeing something being updated? Say, I don't know. Or if you have an idea, what's the best time to update it? Because obviously every year is not good either, right? Yeah, no, I... I... I like some of them, and, and I do like the idea that, you know, uh, some championships can be updated. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't, you know, I don't like some of the updates. Of <laughs> to me, I think the old X Division championship will always be the best one. True. Um, That's a good one. Um, but I do like the new, uh, what are those, uh, I, I like the new, um, intercontinental championships. Okay. You know, so, so it, it it, it, it just, I, I'm, I'm an old school guy in some in some ways, and then, but I do like the idea of you know let's modernize some of this stuff, let's make it look uh, a little bit more glitzy and a little bit more glamorous. Um, but you know, but but then again, I do think that maybe one or two championships in all companies should have maybe an old like like one or like an right. old press to it, you know. Yeah, you know what? I'm pretty much the same like you. There's nothing wrong with a little change here and there, but you still gotta have the originality of it or something like don't change it completely like maybe keep like a little buckle or something on it to give an homage to the old belt or like a little thing just a little tip of the hat or something okay well my last wrestling question because i'm sure you got a lot of uh, reality show listeners on that i want to hear your dealings on the bachelor all right you brought it up the bullet club at one point you were called the bullet club silencer Again, when bullet club was at its highest peak when everyone knew everyone was buying the t-shirts doing the thing how, again, being involved in the storyline with Bullet Club, and not per se being in the Bullet Club, because that was the thing. If you speak English, come in the Bullet Club, right? But how was it being on the opposite side of the Bullet Club? Uh, you know, I mean, I guess it was like how like being on the opposite side of the NWO. You know? Ah, good comparison, yeah. The, the Bullet Club uh, in, its, in its time was such an insane phenomenon and such a, an infectious thing uh, and, and the fans were just so, you know, the, it, it, it was cool because, like, it was one of those things where I think everybody thought they were in the Bullet Club, you know, and, you know, and that's True. why I think the fans were so, uh, were so rapid about it because it was kind of like, hey, you guys are sort of in the club a little bit too, right? So, sure, sure. Uh, and I think that's genius on their part because why the hell not make, make a club that 10 million people can buy t-shirts, right? Right. So, um, it, it, it could have been, it, it was a little challenging at times because you know the popularity and the mm. you know the position of some dudes on the card uh can well it, it is what it is the business is the business so yeah. you know the people in, in any business the popular acts are going to be uh you know and have certain spots so it could have been challenging some at, at some periods but i was always cr- uh, thankful for the you know crowds the bullet club bullet club brought uh you know the attention because all that really meant was that now i get to take some of their fans <laughs> True. Yeah, you're right. Well, it's a good way of looking at it. Instead of thinking that you're going to get buried, so to speak, by the Bullet Club yet again, you're like, no, I'm going to show off and I'm going to make them like me even more. That I like that mentality. Again, more people should have that sort of mentality. It's lost amongst this new generation, right? Well, you know, I don't. I, I, I hate being the old yes guy, though. No, right? <laughs> right. Yes, and no. it's, it's definitely more uh, of an old school uh, thing versus versus the new school, you know. But, I, but, but then again, I kind of think like a lot of these new guys. Don't give a shit about that either. You know, I, mean, mm. I think a lot of these guys uh, are. I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna, you know, set set this place on. And, and to sometimes to the detriment 
of the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm giving him the second match, I'm going to go out there and, and, and go 15, and I'm going to you know do everything that everybody's ever seen, and I'm not going to leave anything for anyone else. Yeah. And <laughs> you know that, that that can be a good and a bad thing at the same time. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, well, on to your reality career. Now, did they look for you, or did you sign up to be on The Bachelor? I got a phone call one day. Oh, okay. Uh, I got a phone call one day from an ABC producer. It was a 310 number in California. So, right. you know, my, my, my professional experience uh, always answered 310 area codes because that that, that 310 <laughs> area code numbers can change your life, right? So, gotcha. So that would be the second time it's happened to me. So, um, and I answered this phone call, and, you know, it's... I'm so and so from ABC's The Bachelor, and at this point, I think I'm getting ribbed by one of the boys, right? So, <laughs> okay, sure. Uh, he goes, "Would you ever think about being, you know, the back on the Bachelorette, or even, you know, even the Bachelor?" And I was like, "Well, you know, I'm black, right?" Oh, and that was the first thing, and that was the first thing I said, and that's, you know, my my sense of humor. And there was a, a small silence on the other end of the phone, oh, and no. she, she laughed, and then okay. was like, "Yeah, that's kind of what we're calling." And you know, it was this weird thing where I even. Uh, you know, they had me send in pictures and fill out this 800 page, oh, shit. you know, thing or whatever, okay, yeah. and background checks and all that. But sure. even then, I even went to LA to, to meet some of the producers. Hmm. And as all of this is happening, I'm still not thinking that this is a real thing. Like, I'm not a <laughs> bachelor, but I, I'm a wrestler, <laughs> right. I'm a bachelor, like, get out of here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I even called my mom. I was like, hey, mom, I need you to, you know, watch the bachelorette for me. <laughs> you got to watch six, seven episodes. She's like, I've never watched that before. Right. right, me neither. I need to see if I need to do it. So, gotcha. She called me and she's like, um, you don't have any idea what you're getting busted yourself into, you do. And I was like, no, that's why I have you. You need to tell me about this. Right. So, uh, you know, my I, I had some experience with Tough Enough. I thought it would be like that. It was yeah. not, <laughs> but sure. uh, but it was still a, a fantastic experience. But up until the point where they even called me and said, hey. Uh, we're, we're ready to have you. We'd like to have you. I still was like, man, please, this is not happening. Yeah, because I couldn't, again, obviously it's not your fault, but I watched, I think, probably the first season of Bachelor, and I couldn't do it. And the reason why I couldn't do it is, this is the reason, and again, for all you Bachelor friends, I'm sorry, it's not my thing, but I understand why people like it. So it, it does deserve a platform to be on TV. But I just can't get the fact of, and you, I don't know if this is why you, you didn't make it to the end or not, too, and you had to bow, but... I can't be in a competition with a bunch of guys doing the same thing to a woman and then knowing that that guy was just there or this and be like, and then you come back like, oh, how'd she taste? Like, oh, I know how she tastes. Like, you know what I mean? It's sort of one of the, it's, I hate to say it's sort of like a legal gangbang. Uh, I mean, not really, but I see, I, 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 you know, it's just one of that, that's one of the things too, right? It, it is one of those things that you kind of sort of have to uh, isolate and, you know, you put all that kind of out your mind because you don't spend and you know you just spend the time with her that you, that you have with her, and uh, because the, the most part, most of the time you spend it with the guys. So, oh, that's true too. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that you know you kind of put those things aside. There's nobody really walking around like, hey, yeah, smell this. <laughs> you know, nobody's nobody's doing that. Okay. Everybody's kind of you know being respectful. Their, their, their okay. relationships kind of it was, a, it was a, a real professional kind of atmosphere well i guess that makes sense because you guys are in a competition and you don't want to give away too much because you guys want to win yourselves right so i i guess that sort of makes sense now again speaking of hanging out with the guys where's anyone like standoffish because you're like oh this guy's a wrestler this guy's already on tv he's already got a one-up on me or do did you just get along with everyone in the house uh for the most part i mean there's there's probably you know 10 eight eight to ten dudes that that we are in the group chat we talk like oh nice still three years later so um our our group has been called by producers um, 
from you know before and after, we're one of the tightest of groups that they'd ever seen on the show. Okay. For whatever reason. Oh wow. Uh, they just brought a whole bunch of dudes together that were kind of like minded, and and we we were just we just kind of clicked and we bonded, even though we were all trying to date the same girl, which is kind of strange. But right. uh, you know, there were a couple assholes, and then you know, in the like show, always. there were a couple assholes that got dealt with sure. uh, <laughs> appropriately. But for the most part, man, I don't I don't have much bad to say about ninety percent of the guys that was on the show. With. Now, if you were to win, did you think this far? If you were to win, were you ready to propose to someone on live TV? Um, it, it, for me, it was always this. If uh, if I was going to propose to somebody in live TV in nine weeks, it was then, then it was going to happen, right? Okay. That, uh, if if I met this woman and you know our relationship blossomed and it you know it got to the point where I'm like, yup, it's me and you, then then that was supposed to be. Uh, I would have done it if I wasn't prepared. And one of part of the reasons why True. you know I, I felt like I, it was time for me to go is because um, I wasn't really at the point where I was comfortable in the, in the, you know, what myself and Rich's relationship was, I wanted to introduce her to my daughter, you know, my 10 year old daughter who's already like, Oh my God, the bachelorette, she's so great. You know, I can, I can separate the real from the bullshit. My 10 year old daughter can't. So, gotcha. you know, it was just one of those things where uh, if I, if it would have been, if that was what was going to be and, and, and she was that person and it went down like that, then I would have absolutely done it because I was supposed to. That makes sense. No, and and now obviously everyone wants to know how much is it is actually scripted. How much is influenced by producers? Was there anything? Can you even speak on this, or you have an NDA? What's going on? No, I, I mean I can I, I can speak on it, but I but I always choose to go at it like this, right? Um, it's it's not as I never was handed a script. Okay. Not one day, you know what I mean. I was never handed, hey, this is what you're doing. This is what you need to say. This is how you got that. Okay, good. Um, I I will say that you know you they have two two things on their side. One. They are experts at casting. They know exactly who to cast. Mm. Uh, you know which people, which people are going to do this, which people are going to do this, which people are wild cards, which people are going to be boring, which people are going to do this. How long will we keep? They're they're experts at that, okay. right? And they they're the producers are very good. The producers are there to to evoke some emotions out of you or to get you know your real thoughts, and they and they're very good at that. So, um, and then when I was there, you know, of course, all the alcohol that you can drink is a that's a, a straight up catalyst for mayhem. So uh, <laughs> I don't think that uh, now you know the, the rules have been changed and okay. people can't drink near as much. I think the 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 back to seasons upcoming are going to be a lot more tame than they have been in the past uh, because all of those things are just recipe for reality TV. You know that's true. Yeah, a disaster waiting to happen, and everyone loves the car crash. Everyone stops to look at the car crash, not someone handing out roses, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You also got called back for Bachelor in Paradise. Okay, yeah. this one I never got. Uh, I never did my research. I don't know what it's about. Is this like Temptation Island or that new show on Netflix, Too Hot to Handle? Is it sort of like that, or how is this uh, thing? I haven't, seen, I haven't seen either of those. Oh, okay. What, what, what Paradise basically is is um, all of the contestants from different seasons. Right. Uh, they'll, they'll put you know the contestants from different seasons, and they'll they take us to you know paradise it's uh, it's Puerto Puerto Vallarta Mexico it's a beautiful beautiful resort and uh, you know it's it's kind of played the same way where you know there one week there will be more girls and guys and then one week there will be more guys and girls you go on dates and it's more organic man it's it's a lot better I mean I think that paradise is your reward for making it through the bachelor the bachelorette right (laughs) 
because gotcha. if you if you all you really have to do is wake up. Right. If you want to wake up and drink tequila and eat uh, and eat mahi mahi tacos and sit on the beach all day, that's what you can do. You just have to make yeah. sure you get a rose to stick around. Sure. But you know, um, and that's you know where the game comes in. And but it's it's a much uh, it's a much easier. I think it's a more organic um, situation to find someone to, to find someone that you could love and, and, and get in a relationship with. Uh, because it is so laid back and so much more relaxed and you have the opportunity to spend all day with somebody if you want to. You know, and that's kind of how the, the relationships that are successful off of paradise, that's how they broke because you get to spend, really spend that time with one another. And hell, it's like, you know, I, I don't take you to Mexico. We, they flew us here. We're good, right? True. Yeah, but isn't it a little bit, okay, because the whole thing is, is when you're on vacation, everyone's on their best behavior. You see a different side. Then when you go back to the real world, isn't it a little misleading to meet someone and to per se be like, oh, I want to spend the rest of your life with you on vacation? Because nothing's going wrong there. Oh, facts. Uh, you know, and that's and that's part of the that's part of the mystique. And that's gotcha. part of the, the allure of the show, right? Is, is is how are these people going to stay together? Uh, you oh. know, who's, who's really going to propose at the end? Because Paradise is only four or five weeks, so someone's going to okay. get engaged at the end of four or five weeks. Oh, wow. So, uh, you know, it's it's that's the allure of the show. Is what the hell is going to happen? And how is this going to work? And who's going to do what? And who's going to cry? And all of right. <laughs> Oh man! Any other reality shows you want to be on? You thinking of doing anything more physical, like a Survivor or Amazing Race? Any of those? Nah, I think I'm done with reality. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna stick with scripted TV. You know how I think. So, is that your end game after wrestling? Do you want to get into Hollywood? Do you want to be an actor, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, I've been. I, I was. Uh, I, I was in acting um, all through. You know, in my younger years, oh, I was okay. on and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, so I think that that's kind of. Uh, what my natural progression out of the game is going to try to look like. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, beautiful. Okay, before we get to Dumbass of the Week, you put out a tweet, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, and this caught my eye just because I'm a huge fan as well. It was something on the lines of who was one of your TV, your favorite TV characters that would actually vote for Trump? And you put Al Bundy. So are you a huge Married with Children fan? Yes, I'm a gigantic Married with Children fan. Thank you. It burns my ass to think that Al Bundy would vote for Donald Trump. Okay, (laughs) now I gotta have an argument with you because I'm a huge Murder Children fan too. I don't think he would vote for Trump. First off, Bundys don't vote. Don't you remember? (laughs) Yeah, Bundys don't vote. This is true. Bundys hate authority. And the other thing is, is that I don't think like because I just watched the season back and I could see him being on the opposite side of Trump because Al Bundy was never really racist. One of his best friends he worked with was Griff. Like you know what I mean? He always showed him respect. So. That's why I wanted to bring it up, too, because being a Married to Children fan, I don't think it would be him. No, for sure it would be someone like fucking, uh, what's his name, from All in the Family, Eddie Bunker. That person. Well, yeah, I mean, Archie Bunker was that Or Archie, right? that's it, yes. But, but uh, you know, I, 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 the only reason I think they say, what, who, who is, I think the, the thing was, who who's a favorite a favorite character of yours that you think would vote for Trump? I, I never liked Archie Bunker. Oh, like okay, uh, makes sense. But, uh, you know. Out of my favorite TV characters, and, and, and it hurts me because I have a No Man shirt. Me day. too! Okay, so. And, and, That's and awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for him to just, just to call us up. I'm ready. I put my shirt on. I'm ready for the reunion. Just telling you, we are, we, we've been waiting for you, Mr. Bunny. But, you know, that, that was just a, uh, you know, that was just a shot in the dark I took. No, that's a, that's a pretty good... Now I got to ask, which ones are your some, some of your favorite or most memorable? Because everything's fresh in my mind. I literally just ran through all 11 seasons in the span of maybe a few months on Amazon, so they're all fresh in my mind. <laughs> uh, some of my favorite episodes of Married with Children. Uh, 
where the butt where the beer gives you gas and the bunnies kick ass. The yes, bar. at the nudie um, bar. Yep. Um, where uh, Al is with Aaron and he's trying to 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 explain to Aaron why he shouldn't get married. And Aaron is actually Aaron. So Aaron's a young black kid that went to Polk High. That's right. He's got a Peggy, right? <laughs> That's a classic. Um, yes, that one. Oh, God, I got so many here. My favorite, the one with uh, with Jefferson. I like. I think Jefferson's my, one of my favorite uh, I think additions so. to any series. Yeah. So a lot of these have to do with Jefferson. Uh, when Jefferson was a secret agent, when he, you know, yes. when he was a spy, that was a great one. Um, <laughs> All classics. And, yeah, these these uh, the uh, the one with the ringers where they played uh, Jackie <laughs> Onassis. You know what? Did, what Polk High do to Pink Punks? You know what I mean? Like. This, this is my show, uh, so uh, I, I could probably name about fifty more episodes. <laughs> oh man! Oh, well, if I ever end up doing a Married with Children best of episode, I got to bring you back on then, because one that pops into my mind is when they went to the car wash, because that Steve came back, so that's a classic. How do yeah, you lose yeah. a car at the car wash, and then the big reveal at the end? Oh, it's a different color. <laughs> Come on! Yes. And, the, and it rolls out of the gr- in the driveway. Oh, the odometer. They wanted to get it to nine, 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 nine. nine. Yeah. One million, one million miles. A Dodge handle <laughs> a million miles. Yep. Yeah. Dude, I mean, what a what a great show, hands down. But you, you know the one thing is when I watched it, I started to remember everything. But for some odd reason, when I was watching when it was on live on Fox back in the day. I totally forgot that Seven was really only in like four or five episodes. I thought it was, I thought when he showed up, he was in it till the end, but he wasn't. So did I. Right? So did I. And, and then, because I've got the Mary Children box set. And I, Me I, too. I, I did the exact same okay. thing you did. But I was looking for Seven too. And, and uh, man, I think, I, I, I don't remember. He, there was a period of time, like the last couple episodes, which were awful. And, and you just watched it to kind of watch. But Exactly. It was like Judy from um, from Family Matters. Like one day she went, he went upstairs and then That's he never right. saw me again. That's because true. Because they never even wrote Seven out. He just never he just never appeared again. Actually, no, you're wrong. There was one episode that was maybe a season or two after he made an appearance where they were pouring a milk carton and then it showed Missing Seven, call this number, on the side of the milk oh, carton. Missing Seven, you're right. Right? You're right. I remember Seven on the, on the milk carton. You're absolutely right. So that's, I guess, wow. sort of how they wrote it in, probably, because I'm sure people must have complained. Like, what the hell? Ha-? Even though I don't mind, because I think that was a big blunder. The one thing I always tell, like, me and my wife love sitcoms, too. And I find, and I hate to say this because I, I love babies myself. When I find they write in a baby or a newborn into a TV show, it just goes downhill from there. I don't know why. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I mean, because most times, especially, most times the kids can't carry the comedy. Ah, so, makes sense. And so, so I mean, Seven was, they, they when they, all of his writing was terrible. Right. right? It's not, you know, I, that was that was Bud was way better as a kid. Yes, you know, early. So it was like, hey, we already have a Bud, and he's way better. So get this kid out of here. <laughs> now, were you like everyone else? Did you have a crush on Kelly Bundy? Uh sort of. I mean, I was, I was like, yeah, hey, Kelly's cool or whatever. But I liked um, uh, Marcy's niece. Oh, and Marcy's yeah. niece was my favorite. The I girl like, next okay, door, all natural, crop yeah, top. Yeah. Kelly always had Kelly's friends were always fine too. I was like, damn, That's Kelly's true. friends are fine. She is. That's so true. And another thing I noticed: how many cameos of people like Pamela Anderson was in so many episodes. I can't remember. There's so many actors. If you go see it, they're all Stephen like Stephen Dorff. 
Yes. In an early episode. He's in the episode where Bud date, uh, has the mannequin as the date. That's right. Dorks in that episode. Yes. There's so many different cameos in Married with Children. It's so true. Okay, okay. Anyways, we went off on a tangent there. I'll have to bring you on and we've got to talk about Murder Children all night long. But on to the dumbass of the week if you're ready. Yeah, let's go. All right. Are you a wine drinker? Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Hey, say whatever you want. I'm Canadian, so they, they can't uh, restrict me up here. Facts. Are you a wine drinker, my friend? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, how about this? You, you don't have to say if you've done it because obviously you're in a public eye, but I, I could share my story. But majority of people have bought something that's fallen off the back of a truck, I would assume. Well, at least once or twice in your lifetime, right? Now, this is tops to cake. No, no one was selling wine out of the back of their truck. But let me see if it says where this was. Uh, Probably 99% of my, no, it just says on, do you know, this is in the States, Highway 99? Does that ring a bell? No, I don't know where that is. Okay, well, anyway, somewhere in the world on Highway 99, <laughs> there was a tanker, right? You know, those big tankers, tractor trailers going down. And then behind them was a man frantically with his high beams honking. Usually when that happens, you think there's something wrong with the truck. You got to pull over. You never know, right? So the gentleman pulls over and then he didn't see where that other car was. So he just figured, oh, whatever, maybe it wasn't for me. So he keeps driving down, the truck driver that is, keeps going, going. And then he starts noticing his levels dropping, not the fuel, but what of what he was carrying on his load. He's like, what the fuck is this? Next thing you know, he stops. He looks under. Wasn't there a fucking guy in his, literally in his boxers, opened a valve and was drinking this wine going down the fucking highway at top speeds? First off, he never fell off. I don't know how much wine is coming out of that huge nozzle. He must have got instantly drunk. And this guy deserves a round of applause to not fall off once. A standing freaking ovation. <laughs> a standing ovation. Holding on to a tanker with his mouth open drinking wine. That dude's no dumbass. That, that, that motherfucker's a damn innovator. Okay? <laughs> I don't know how he got underneath the truck and how he thought he was going to get home. After right? Where was you? Where, how you get home? I don't know, man. And how did you know that was a wine truck? No, this See, is, no, that's, that's the other thing. I didn't even know wine was transported this way. I thought it was I all barreled know. and everything. I don't know what goes in a fucking tanker, right? I had no idea because, I mean, I, then, I had no idea. So, yeah, that dude knew. No, <laughs> sir. No, sir. That guy's a, he's a hero. Tanker Bill, you're the man. So, he's not... Okay, now, how about this? What if he was trying... Again, it's going to go down a morbid way, but this is why my, my mind thinks sometimes. What if he was trying to commit suicide and this is his way out? He's like, fuck it. I'm going to get so drunk off wine. If I fall off and die, at least I'm going out drunk. But then he survived. <laughs> getting hit with a truck would have been a lot easier. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. And again, to be in your boxers and do this as well. So you know there's something. So he must have been the guy who was honking. And then when the guy stopped, he literally crowd. And again, oh, where do you know no. where... This guy must be... It has to be an inside job. Most of these dumbasses... He said, that's my lucky, he said, today's my lucky day. It's a wine truck. I'm getting busy. Let's go. <laughs> now, would you do anything for wine like that? No, I'll just go buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just go buy it. <laughs> and now, what's your preference of wine since we're on the topic? Um, I like reds. Uh, I like a nice Merlot or a Pinot. Okay. Anything in specific or just whatever you can get your hands on? Are, are you one of those picky, um, snottish type of guys? No, I'm not, I'm not too. I'm not too snobbish. Uh, we've been drinking this. Uh, I think it's called apothecary or apothic. 
Yes, Oscar my wife likes that one. Yes, that's yeah, a good yeah, one. Yeah, really nice. That's what me and my lady been drinking. Perfect. Well, okay, I got one last question about wrestling. I like before uh, you could plug your shit and I let you go. You also wrestled for CMLL, correct? Yeah. Now, was this Twice. in Arena Mexico? Did you get a chance to wrestle there? Yeah, I wrestled for the at the CMLL Grand Prix uh, in oh, seventeen wow. and, and nineteen. So I did two two stints in Arena Mexico. Now, how was that? And how was the rabbit fans? Because I've had plenty of wrestlers on that wrestled there too, and everyone has different stories, but the same reaction. I'm assuming it's, it's amazing. What, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's what it's what wrestling should be, right? You should be. You should always. You should always be lucky enough to wrestle in front of a crowd like Arena Mexico because. And I wouldn't even say just Arena Mexico because right. I, I, I I toured. Uh, you know, I did a tour with CMLO, so I went to Guadalajara. I went oh, to, uh, okay. Um, I went to. I can't remember the other place. Guadalajara, Puerta, okay. another, and then another couple places. So. But, you know, they're just, they're there. They're ready for the wrestling, whether they're 7 or 70. You know, no matter whatever you do, they're going to react to because they are in every, every single match. They're not, just not there for their favorites. They're there for the whole show. Mm, um, makes but, sense. But walking in that, breaking and walking in that arena in Mexico and seeing a 20-foot banner of Kenny King and, and then, right. you know, uh, coming down during the actual show and then, you know, coming down that. I mean, I used to watch CMLL. Way back in the day, okay, just kind of see that set and like, damn, you know that, and then every in that ring. Yes, it's 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 dope. I mean, to me, uh, the only thing that I need to do, uh, and, and I could die out the man, is I got to wrestle the Tokyo Dome, uh, the Madison Square Garden, the right. Arena Mexico. I've done ECW Arena, now the Tokyo Dome. Now that would be that would be nice. Now, being an old school fan of wrestling, have you ever wrestled at Maple Leaf Gardens here in Toronto? Yes, I have. I wrestled Jay Lethal oh. uh, last year. Oh, there you go. What, what was that? At, at the Summer Fest or whatever during mm-hmm. summertime? Oh, that okay. Was, that was in November. That was, November. Uh, that was a year ago. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so, yeah, you've pretty much knocked off every major arena in the world except for the Tokyo Dome. Yeah. So, again, you said it. You want to go to Japan. Is that something that you will not hang up your boots until you do? Or if it happens, it just happens? Um, I'm leaning toward not hanging my boots up until I do. Okay. Uh, that, that's something that I'd really like to do. So, I, you know... Uh, the Ring of Honor and our relationship with New Japan when things pick that's up true. I think that's something that uh, that I'm really going to explore uh, especially you know being a member of La Facción Ingobernables uh, there's a whole lot of issues going on with, with those Ingobernables so we, we might have to go fix go over there and handle some business so where's your favorite place that you've performed in then? Madison Square Garden hands oh, down okay. I mean you know Arena Mexico is definitely right there uh, right. but Madison Square Garden is just it's unreal it's true there's just something about that arena like obviously i'll never get to perform there or do anything on the stage i use guys do but i when i went to new york i had the pleasure of walking through the doors and seeing where everything and it's, just, it's true there's just this mystique people don't know until you walk through those doors how much people how much performances were put on there how much high caliber athletes went through those doors everything from musicians to like you name it it's been through those doors right and same thing with people in the audience who's a whoever's a who's who Used to go there and watch everything too, right? Yeah, who's been sitting in that is, has been to, has been there, right? So whoever's who's who in the last eight years has been in that building. Yeah, no kidding. That's awesome. Well, you could plug your shit where people could find you, where people could interact with you, merchandise, whatever you want. Take your time. Floor's all yours, my friend. Yeah, man. Interact with me on all my social media. Um, it's Kenny King PB2. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I'm on this new TikTok shit now. This is. <laughs> Uh, we'll see how this goes but uh, you know interact with me I'm, I'm usually very interactive with my fans a lot of people like to say hey Kenny you remember when I when we were so, when I saw you here and da 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 and I'll guarantee you I won't remember but I will always uh, appreciate that you do so uh, you know Kenny King PB2 uh, holla at me
Nice. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail.com. Rewind to the top of the show. Listen to the sponsors because if it helps them out, helps me out. Click on the link, buy something nice. Or if you can't, rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. All good, my friend? Yeah, man. Appreciate you coming aboard. On that note, he's Kenny King. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace. Peace. Thank you.